CMS Real Deal podcast, where we take a step back from the legal nitty-gritty and provide insight into issues affecting the property industry. I am Danny Drummond-Brassington, and today I'm joined by Ian Newman, partner and joint head of corporate, and Cathy Pitt, partner and head of listed funds and indirect assets. Welcome. Thank you. Um, Cathy and Ian are joining me today to discuss real estate investment trusts and why 2017 has been such a good year for them. But before we sort of get into why 2017 has been a good year, it would be really good for listeners who are perhaps not as familiar with REITs as you both are, if we could go back and cover a few of the basics. So Cathy, can I start with you? Do you want to tell, tell us what is a REIT? And what, what makes it different to perhaps other property holding uh, vehicles? Yeah, sure. Well, despite being called um, a trust, a REIT is actually a company. Um, it's normally a UK PLC. It has to be tax resident in the UK. Um, and the company has to be listed on a recognised stock exchange. And its business has to be property investment. And there are a number of other conditions, but they are... Um, quite dull and we've only got 20 minutes so I'm not going to go into them in detail but broadly it has to be a property investment company that's listed on recognised stock exchange and if you comply with the conditions you get beneficial tax treatment in that you're exempt from corporation tax on qualifying property rental income and um, capital gains tax and capital gains. So that's particularly relevant uh, as I'm sure we will talk about later in the light of the budget announcements uh, um, of a few weeks ago. In terms of why you'd invest in a REIT or what a REIT offers that's different from other property holding vehicles, well, it's closed-ended, so unlike open-ended property funds like PAVES, um, you don't have to worry about matching liquidity of the assets to investor redemption requests. Um, And it doesn't typically have a fixed life, or it will often have continuation votes, so you don't have to worry about, oh, you know, in seven years I'm going to have to realise this asset and wind the fund up. It will just continue. So for managers it represents permanent capital, and investors are still able to realise their investment through the listing on the secondary market. So it offers liquidity to investors, but permanent capital to managers. So I guess that's quite um, interesting if you look at post-Brexit announcement and what happened to the, 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 the funds there and they were locked down to prevent um, liquidity issues. I guess the REITs didn't suffer in the same way. They didn't, although it's fair to say that the issue for REITs in that scenario is that um, their share price tends to fall and they start trading at a, a big discount to net asset value. But in fact, yeah, I mean, the issues that we've had with open-ended funds and the FCA review of them does represent a possible opportunity for REITs um, because people are starting to identify that there are problems with these open-ended funds now fairly regularly going through gating processes when there's a crisis, so there's the credit crisis and then the the post-Brexit crisis. Um, why why would you hold property in a REIT? What what would be the sort of decision there as, as, as a property holding companies decide to sort of structure it in a REIT? What would what would be driving them that way? I guess it's to do as much as anything with what investors want. I mean a REIT is a it's a public company, it's a public vehicle, you're accessing a different pool of investors. If you want to access two or three institutions who've been investing with you time and again, 
a REIT isn't necessarily going to be the best vehicle um, for you because of the you know the additional costs and, and, and things of, of being a, a listed entity. But if you're um, looking um, to attract a different class of investors, to so offer liquidity, uh, to, and you can you can offer uh, a long-term, sort of fairly secure yield, then a REIT is is a really good opportunity to, to get access to those different investors and and to do something a bit a bit different, I guess. Um, thanks, Cathy. Ian, so I understand since 2013 that there have been a total of 30 IPOs, 10 of which have been this year in 2017, and I understand that your team's advised on three out of the 10 this year. So what's made 2017 so special? Um, I think it's a continuing low interest environment, so yield on property uh, is continues to be attractive. Um, I think also um, a number of management teams have been out there and realised there's an opportunity to get capital from the, the markets. Um, that has led to the upsurge in both IPOs and secondaries. Um, there's been a number of failed towards the end of the year, but that may well be partly to do with timing. Once investors feel they've allocated all their capital for the year, then if you come towards the end of the year, then it gets more tricky. And um, Do you think we'll see this this continued trend in, in REITs then? Do you think 2018 will be another 10 or even more? Um, I think there'll probably be a number. I'm not sure whether there'll be as many in 2018, but I think there'll still be a number of REIT issues next year. Uh, I think the problem that we may have coming up shortly is we're getting to the top of the market. So um, the danger becomes that people raise capital, feel that they've got to invest it because they've got to get the funds deployed and they're investing at the top of the market, which means that they're potentially overpaying for assets which are going to decline in the near, near to, near to mid-term. And you were talking then about interest rates, and I think everybody's sort of watching, and we've seen a nominal increase in interest rates and perhaps hints that there'll be a, a few more, albeit small. But do you think that will impact on, on rates? I don't think it'll have a, a, a big impact because I don't think interest rates are going to go particularly high. Yep. They're going to, they might move up, but, but not particularly in fast. His, <laughs> in historical terms, they're still going to be pretty low. Uh, so I don't think it's going to have a huge impact. Um, I think the the bigger impact is whether there's still investor appetite to continue to invest in in more REIT product. Yeah. Uh, I think there probably is as long as you've got strong management, a good product with strong returns. Um, and you're focused on a particular market segment because there's obviously a wish from investors to have focused REITs rather than generalists. Yeah, actually I was reading an article, um, Forbes published an article this week that was um, looking at um, very specialised REITs. In fact, so specialised there are REITs out there in America that um, are just purely invested in the legal cannabis farms and poised to take advantage of that when um, legalisation of cannabis throughout the states becomes more prevalent. So talk to me about specialism. Are we seeing that REITs are moving from generalist property into specialist areas? I don't know if that's a Cathy or... Um, Either of us really. We're both both market experts, darling. Um, (laughs) So, specialism really means, I guess, what within real estate tends to be called alternatives. So, yeah, people are not so interested in a broad portfolio of commercial property. I think the feeling is there are already ways to access that um, uh, with companies that already have, you know, huge diverse shareholder bases and very strong liquidity like Landsec, British Land. So, what people seem to be looking for is is very specialised things like healthcare, 
social housing, which has been very strong this year, mm-hmm. um, and warehouse and logistics, which again has been strong, because um, even in, in the wheat market at the end of, of the year that Ian was just mentioning, Aberdeen Standard got their sort of warehouse logistics fund um, away, and I think there is still sort of a lot of interest in that area. So anything that's sort of alternative and, and specialist um, seems to be you know, marketable, whereas the, the broader, more general ones, I, th- I think, are, are struggling. You were talking earlier, Cathy, about the Chancellor's recent announcements in the budget and how that's been positively received. Um, perhaps you can explain a bit about that, but I'm perhaps more interested, are REITs dependent upon the whim of the Chancellor and that a positive uh, autumn budget could be swept away next year? Um, well, I, th- I think... Um, um, by no means a tax expert, so I'll start with that disclaimer, but I think where we have seen um, some traditional sort of tax loopholes, I suppose, closed, um, those sorts of um, situations have been under threat. But where we have um, a tax benefit beneficial scheme that's enshrined in UK legislation, like the REIT or the Investment Trust or various other sort of schemes... Those, I think, have tended to be more robust. And if anything, I think what the government feels to me, what they're trying to do is corral people to be within those tax arrangements that they have created and are comfortable with. And and, and so I would be personally surprised um, if if the REIT regime were to be withdrawn. Okay. And And the recent budget is... Produced a positive for REITs, hasn't it? In the yeah. overseas investment into um, and into offshore vehicles holding UK real estate is going to be more challenging. So um, the problem, chances are there'll be more REITs as a result. Yeah, it certainly is. A, it, it's becoming a sort of residual vehicle that works for different types of investors and um, where other vehicles no longer work. And so yes, I think I think it will be a positive. Great. So it all sounds sort of very positive, and I'm not going to be pessimistic, but it is a pessimistic question. Is it is it all good on the horizon? I mean, it can't all have been good news this year. You, I think, Ian, you mentioned a couple of failures. You, is that something everybody needs to be aware of? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple that failed to raise money towards the end of the year. Um, I think there'll always be some issues that don't get away. That's just the, the life in capital markets. Um, I don't think it's particularly significant. Um, I suspect that um, there will still be more REITs next year. Uh, there may be less than there are going to there have been this year, but it's all down. It's all really down to whether you've got a decent management team, decent product with attractive returns, and you know the investor appetite, which I think will probably still be there in two thousand and eighteen. So, is there anything particular that you think is behind the failures, or is it just a, a general? You know, as you say, haven't raised enough capital or. Um... Well, I mean, my take on it is that issuance was so strong in the first part of the year that really that the ones that have, have not flown have been very much at the end of the year yeah. and it, ju- it just felt like the capital had been soaked up, to be honest. And people yeah. are always, you know, IPOs are always slightly risky in that people kind of say, well, why do I want to put money in, my, in your new product mm-hmm. when you know, there's another product that already exists that I can put my money in? And so I think they just didn't get over that, that hurdle. I don't think there was anything sort of inherently systemically wrong with REITs or property in an asset class. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Hmm. And 
I mentioned America before, um, and America is obviously a more established REIT market. Is there anything you think we could learn from America? Well, it was interesting. I was having this conversation the other day, um, and yeah, America is a much larger, deeper, more established market. Uh, interestingly, in the US also, you can't, I'm sure I'm overgeneralising, but you can't hold um, property in open-ended funds the way that we right. still can here. Um, the view that I was hearing really is because there's much more liquidity uh, and it's a more developed market, there is also more shareholder alignment, more willingness to say, actually, this REIT has traded at a discount for you know a couple of years now. I tell you what, we're just going to wind it up, sell the assets and return, return the cash. Um, and there may be more alignment with um, shareholder outcomes. So, I mean, that, that was just one view, but I thought it was quite interesting um, because I think that's, uh, that's something that, we, that has yet to develop fully in the UK. So I'm going to ask you, we're sitting at the end of 2017, you've been talking about you know, how good it's been and what your predictions, each of your predictions are for 2018 and the REIT world. Ian? Uh, I think there'll probably be... Um, I would guess half a dozen IPOs of REITs next year. I think there'll be some more secondary issues by existing REITs. Um, uh, and what it holds after that, who knows? Yeah, so I I sort of agree with Ian. I think um, the first half of the year, or certainly the first quarter, might be, might be quite slow. What I think we will see is more and more people looking into REITs as we see the fallout from the budget uh, announcement and also as the FCA responds to the post-Brexit. It's, it's been reviewing the uh, the gatings of the open-ended property funds post-Brexit and we have yet to really uh, see its developed response to that. And it will be very interesting to see if that impacts on the open-ended funds, which in turn you would think would have a positive impact on REITs. So, I think going in 2018 might be relatively neutral, but I think it might be getting more buoyant for REITs towards the end of the year. Oh, great. I, um, I always end podcasts uh, by giving everybody a notional magic wand and asking if they could change one thing, what you would do. So to hear if you've got your magic wand that could change anything in the regulatory environment around REITs to make everything more attractive and easier, what would, what would you do? So, Cathy, shall I ask? You. Yeah, you can ask me for actually. Oh, it's 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 quite difficult. There are a few regulations at the moment that, for me, would be kind of on the bonfire if if, if we could have one. I would, um, I, I would um, take a look at I suppose some of the regulation around PRIPs, packaged retail investment products, which require REITs, among other funds that are aimed at retail investors, to put out some key information documents which are proving really very difficult for closed-ended listed funds and, and frankly perhaps not terribly beneficial for investors. So um, that would certainly be one that I would uh, I would look at. Um, yeah. Ian, do you have something? I'm not, you... sure, I'm not sure I've got anything that my magic wand is, is needed for. I so you wouldn't change one thing? I think when it's, you... all, it's all going as well as we could hope at the moment. Great. Well, Thank you very much for joining us, Cathy and Ian. Um, really insightful and great to hear your views on, on the REITs market in 2017 and, and how you think it's going forward into 2018. 
Um, and to everybody listening, um, thank you for listening. And uh, just a reminder to subscribe to The Real Deal podcast via your um, podcast store to ensure that you get the latest podcast. Thank you. Thank you.